How much does fit matter for these NFL draft prospects? Plus, Austin Gale, Pro Football Focus, is here to talk about Aiden Hutchinson and so much more. You are locked on NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What up and welcome in to a Wednesday edition of Locked On NFL. He's Tony Wiggins. I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for tuning in. The NFL draft is just eight days away. And thank Gale, God. Focus going to join us. Yeah, thank God for you because you've been debating the number one pick for months and months and months now as you cover the Jaguars on Locked On Jaguars. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen and following wherever you get your podcast, subscribe on YouTube. And today's show brought to you by Blue Nile. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off, $500 with promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Tony, let's dive right on in because the NFL draft just eight days away. And uh, something that really both of the teams that we cover, and at least half the league has dealt with, is fit mm -hmm. and being the organization that can develop guys look we know a lot of these guys are talented especially yeah. the first rounders that are going to go but certain teams develop better than others and that can make all the difference you're right it seems like the teams that develop players are the ones that don't seem to need them to perform early i think the teams that pick high every year and need guys to perform quickly can sometimes ruin a player's uh, path and ruin a player um, with, uh, especially if it's a quarterback, he got banged up and beat up too much, or there's a lot of coach change and everything continues to. I remember Jason Campbell back in the day had five different offensive coordinators in five years. So it seems like to me that the teams that have the best pathway for development are the teams that sometimes are already developed. Uh, you can't expect a rookie to come in and change the culture when the when the team is losing. You know, I've never seen a losing team with a with a great culture or uh, a bad team with a good culture. And and most of the time, the guys picked high, especially at the quarterback position, are thought of as saviors, and they don't give a they don't get a fair shake in, in, to do things right. Case in point: Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, guys who were picked. The teams weren't awful because the teams made trades up to go get them. And what happened? They came into a solid situation with solid coaches and their career arc took off right away because they were able to learn and not have to go and be rushed just to put fans in the seats. Yeah, I think it really applies to quarterbacks, but it applies to all positions. Look, if there was a, uh, a locked on NFL host draft, of course, I would want to go number one. You know, if all these media outlets were picking right at the same time, fit matters. So if I'm getting picked by uh, an outlet in, in Albuquerque, well, uh, I, I don't know. How's that program director? You, you know, how am I going to get right. developed versus going to, uh, I, I don't know, Tony Wiggins neck of the woods in Jacksonville or going right. to New York or going to a market that's used to it. And I'm not saying that's what you want to do, but in media, of course you do. But, but the point is if I'm Desmond Ritter or if I'm Malik Willis, do I really want to go to the Panthers at six? Right. Their head coach is, you know, about two steps away from getting blown out of there, it feels like. It feels like the Carolina Panthers, that's a scary proposition. Now, if you look at Atlanta, 
it looks like, and people would be like, oh, Atlanta, they're rebuilding. They are, but they have a quarterback that can play day one in Marcus Mariota, and you can learn from him some, a former bust, they would call him, and you would call him. And it, it, it might be a softer landing spot with Arthur Smith there. It seems like he's got plenty of leash left. Uh, the Saints are another team that comes to mind. Jameis Winston is there. So you go there. Oh, well, that's great. It's a soft, nice landing spot where you can learn the game. You go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That'd be great, too. So it might be better if you're a quarterback to go 16th, 17th, 20th to one of these teams versus going 6th overall or 4th overall or 2nd overall to the Detroit Lions because of landing spot fit, time to develop, and everything in between. I kind of really like the Seattle situation. And the reason why is because – yeah. As bad as we want to think that they were, and I know they lost Russell Wilson, but they're picking ninth, so they weren't absolutely terrible. And you mentioned Atlanta. You're exactly right. Atlanta won way more games last year than I thought they were going to. When you look at their Mm -hmm. roster, it looks like they need to be picking top three, but they're not. They're picking like eighth. So it means that at some point they found a way to figure something out. And you go to a team, uh, especially like uh, the Seattle situation, you've seen them in the past take a guy as a rookie and put him in a proper situation. Now, he had a great defense. But mm-hmm. the other thing is there's no rush. And the reason why there's no rush, even though Pete Carroll is getting up there in age, is because they won a championship within our memory. When yeah. teams haven't won a championship, if you got grown kids, and like if you're the Washington football team or the commanders, and they haven't won since 1991, if your kids are now having kids, there seems to be a little bit more of a rush because you want to get back to that old feeling. But if you can Mm -hmm. remember when a a team winning a championship within the last decade or two, there's really no rush in my opinion, because I think people that have won understand what it takes and they know that it understands more than just adding one player. Sure. And and there's a certain equity that's built up, right? It's what Bill Belichick uh, has, has cashed in a lot of over the past couple of years without Tom Brady. And I think this offseason, especially Patriots fans are like, ah, oh, what are you doing cap wise? Well, next year they're going to have a lot of cap space and, and Mac Jones will still be on that rookie deal. We'll see. But uh, to your point, yeah, I, I think that it, it matters a lot. And that's the thing with a lot of these guys. And we're going to talk about Aiden Hutchinson in just a second. Fit matters, but some of these guys and maybe Aiden Hutchinson as well, Sauce Gardner, I think, is on the, this level. Yes. Certain guys are going to work regardless. Now, regardless. their level may may be different depending on fit. Jamar Chase, I think he would have worked regardless of where he went in Anywhere. the NFL. Anyway. But he popped off a little bit more because he was playing with Joe Burrow, and he's playing in the offense that he was in with the other weapons around him. But, yeah, some guys translate anywhere. Other guys, specifically quarterbacks, they need help around them. And that's the – the fun part, especially about this draft, because there is no standout quarterback. There is no guy that's for sure going number one because a quarterback isn't going to go number one, barring something really unforeseen, including a trade down from the team you cover. So that's the fun part for me is all of the uncertainty in this draft. I like Desmond Ritter, and I'm not just saying that because he went Mm -hmm. to your school, but I'm not trying, I'm not trying to, you know, I ain't going to call you and try to borrow money from you later on just because I said I like Desmond Ritter, right? But Desmond Ritter, to me, the more I hear his interviews, the more I really, really like him as a player. And I see him as that Alex Smith type guy. And he'd be perfect, even though I don't think he's going to last. Watch this. You want to talk about matchmaking? You want you want to hear me play match game here real quick? You want to talk about a guy going to a ready-made system with a good team with players around him? What if that kid ended up in Tennessee? 
You see where I'm mm-hmm. going? With, yep. with that package, that RPO package that they already have with Ryan Tannehill, with the use of the bootlegs, with that running game, with the offensive line, and, and a really good receiver. He's a little unhappy right now, but a really good receiver in A.J. Brown. And that that big, tough, strong jaw of Mike Vrabel standing on the sideline. That's a perfect situation for a kid like Desmond Ritter in a mm-hmm. city that would absolutely adopt his style of play at quarterback. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And speaking of perfect situations, are the Jacksonville Jaguars the perfect situation for Aiden Hutchinson? We will ask Austin Gale of Pro Football Focus that question next. But first, a word from BlueNile.com. You can mark Mother's Day with something enduring. Classic diamond stud earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, birthstone pendants, and so much more at BlueNile.com. Look, you're probably looking for fine jewelry right now, and you're having trouble choosing. BlueNile.com has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift. So this Mother's Day, give mom something she's going to treasure forever with fine jewelry at BlueNile.com. And our listeners, Locked On NFL listeners, get $50 off their $500 purchase with promo code locked on this podcast is exclusive only through mother's day this is is something you got to get to right now bluenile.com promo code locked on plus every order is insured ships free and arrives in a discreet package that won't give away what's inside shop stress-free and find your forever peace at bluenile.com today all right, Locked On NFL on a Wednesday. Tony Wiggins and James Rapine, as always. And we have a special guest, a guy that I talked to on the Locked On Jaguars podcast, and rightfully so, because the Jaguars have the first pick. And Austin Gale did a superb job on Hutch, the podcast about Aiden Hutchinson, the uh, projected possible number one overall pick. Some people would say probable from the University of Michigan. How you doing today, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, James and I want to get down to it, man. Tell us about the Hutch, how it's been received, what, what what's going on with it, and a little bit more about Aiden Hutchinson, the prospect. Yeah, it's been a ton of fun to to see a lot of Michigan fans consume it, right? I think it's it's you know obviously a lot about a, a player that's going to go number one overall or top five in the NFL draft, but so much of it too is going game by game with one of Michigan's best players over the last five years, right? So it's been fun to hear from a lot of Michigan fans and people who went to the University of Michigan who are excited to hear Aiden's perspective on you know, an infamous season, right? A drought against Ohio State that finally got uplifted in Ann Arbor. So a lot of fun there. And, um, you know, it's been it's been cool getting to know Aiden more as he kind of progresses forward and, and goes through his final visits with the teams. Him and his family and I share a Wordle chat. We send our Wordles each day and how we do and all that <laughs> stuff, which is fun. Um, but he, he's a cool dude, man. It's been, it's been great to be a part of it. And uh, I'm excited to see where he goes. Austin, did you do today's Wordle yet? I you know, I lose track. I think okay. I did. I do it every morning before, right when I wake up. I think I did. I think I got like either three or four. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, I got it in four today. So mm-hmm. you, it sounds nice. like you beat me. Um, see, but- I'm sitting there looking at both of y'all like y'all crazy because I ain't <laughs> never done it. So I'm sitting there like I didn't even know there was like one universal wordle that goes out every day. So you it, said, did it's you addicting. Do the, once like, you did start. You do day? What do you mean? It. Did you do the one today? Y'all got the same one? I mean, so I'm just <laughs> I'm just sitting there tripping. But y'all go ahead, James. Uh, well. Uh, also, I just want to ask, as far as Aiden Hutchinson, obviously our listeners have heard a ton about him as a football player. I'm sure you uncovered a lot about the person. Can you give us a little bit that we probably don't know and that our listeners don't know about uh, the potential number one overall pick? Yeah, I think he's a very 
you know, supported individual by his family. I think that's something that really stands out. Him and his dad have a really good relationship. His mom has a really good relationship. His dad went to every single game he's ever had, whether it's lacrosse, cross country, all that stuff. And his dad was a volunteer physician in high school. His mom was a volunteer photographer of the football team. He has a lot of support. And I think he's leveraged that really well in identifying goals that he can get and hit and, you know, win with, right? So, his mom has kind of instilled on him a, a journaling process that he's been doing since he was a very young kid. And in that journal, he writes, you know, near daily about his goals and what he wants to do and what he wants to accomplish. And, you know, a product of that, a lot of his goals he has accomplished being a Heisman finalist, you know, you know, performing well at the combine, running in the four sevens, running a six, seven, three cone, all these different things. And, you know, one of his goals is to be the number one overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. And I don't think he's too far off of that either. It, he's a, he's a really unsatisfied individual. I think he understands that he can maximize his potential, and, and knows what his potential is, right? A lot of this is self-awareness, right? He knows he can maximize his frame at six foot seven, two sixty. He knows he can, you know, get a sub six, you know, six seven three cone. He knows he can do a lot of these things, and it's about identifying what those next steps are. And it's really impressive to hear someone have such lofty goals and have a confidence that isn't overwhelmingly cocky, but so much that he has a self-confidence that he wants to hit. So he's a really impressive person, work ethic, all that stuff kind of like off the charts. And in addition to that, I just don't think he's going to be satisfied with anything you ask of him, right? He's going to want to be a pro bowler. He's going to want to be an all pro. He's going to want to be a hall of famer and he's going to legitimately lean, legitimately lean into whatever it takes to get to those points. I think something has happened is one Austin, you may not know this, but I've been getting killed just because I actually went and watched film of Trayvon Walker. And I said, Okay, I see what people are talking about. And it's almost as if, you know how it is on social media. Someone says, what's your favorite condiment? And you say mayonnaise, then that means you don't like ketchup and mustard. And that's not necessarily <laughs> true. So what happened with me is I looked back and I looked at Hutch and then I looked at Trevon and then you started to hear this word projection. <laughs> so because so many people are talking about projection with Trevon Walker, Automatically, it's unfair to Aiden that people can't seem to think that he also has a projection, that he's not a perfect uh, uh, prospect. No one is. I talked to an NFL, a former NFL scout just this morning, and I'll share with you what I shared with James off camera. They said if you're not projecting in college scouting, then you're not doing your job because that's a huge part of it because you have to – sometimes the opponents aren't the same. Sometimes the situations and the schemes aren't the same. What do you think? Is uh, I think it's unfair that he is being labeled as a guy who is right now what you see is what you're going to get. He actually does have more of a ceiling than people are giving him credit for, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. I think the comparison between him, you know, Aiden, Kayvon Thibodeau, Trayvon Walker, and, and George Karloftis, who I think all four are in a tier one among edge prospects in this class, right? I don't think there's a massive gap between Aiden and Walker or a massive gap between Aiden and Karloftis or Thibodeau because all of them – have a lot of traits and a lot of projection, right? A lot of like outcomes in the NFL that I think are going to lead to a lot of success. I think with Aiden Hutchinson, it's not that he's can't miss. It's you have a better idea of what you're getting because he's like objectively just played more. Like he's played more. He's played three times the amount of snaps that Trayvon Walker has. He has, you know, three times the amount of production in a lot of ways. So you've seen it already. You've seen him play into your defensive line. You've seen him play edge. You've seen him play with his hand in the ground, hand up. He's done it against really good competition. He did it. 15 pressures total against Ohio state. Like he has done a lot of what you want Walker to do, right? Like I want to see that from Walker and I know he can get to that point. We just haven't seen it yet. Right. He doesn't have really good production. And a lot of that, a significant percentage of that is just, he's raw. 
simply has not played a lot of the position you're going to ask him to play in the NFL and what they asked him to do at Georgia. It is a run first defense. He played head up or inside the tackles way more than he played outside the tackles, which as you get further in towards the center, it gets harder and harder to create pressure because you're playing more in phone booths, right? And there's more help from the guard and center as you get closer. You get more one-on-one opportunities when you play a lot of what Aiden played last year purely outside the tackle. So like there are reasons his production wasn't as good as Aiden Hutchinson or as good as Kayvon Thibodeau or George Karloftis, but that doesn't mean they don't exist, right? Like, I think the, the issue with, with Walker and his projection is that you have to project so much of it. He has not played a lot of football compared to some of the other guys up top. I think, you know, with him, I, it doesn't mean he can't do it. It's a very similar, I don't, I don't think it's that dissimilar to Justin Jefferson coming out who had great production at LSU, but he had a lot of it from the slot. And like he played a lot in the slot and you're like, yeah, he was awesome from the slot, but can he do it on the outside? And there were a lot, I even had question marks. Like can Justin Jefferson stick it on the outside? And then guess what? Justin Jefferson goes to the combine and tests wildly well. And he goes way later than he should. And he can do it on the outside. I think Trayvon Walker could be, Viewed similarly. I don't think it's all that different from Malik Willis, right? Malik Willis played in the college gimmicky offense. We haven't seen a lot of NFL throws on his tape, but he's got traits that the league covets. And that's what matters first and foremost, specifically at edge. So I am big on Walker. I, he's a top 10 player for me. So is George Carlotta. So is Kayvon Thibodeau and obviously Aiden Hutchinson. We'll continue our conversation with Austin Gale about Aiden Hutchinson Coming up next, but first, a word from Built Bar here on today's episode of Locked On NFL. The number one protein bar on the planet. You need to get to Built.com and check them out. They're high in protein, they're low in sugar, they're low in calories, and they're perfect for, well, the weekend warriors that are getting into the gym and need a little bit of a protein punch. Or if you're chatting with us on Locked On NFL like Austin Gale and you need a midday snack, you can get it right now with Built Bar. So check them out at Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, get 15% off at built.com with promo code LOCK15. Here with Austin Gale from PFF, and he is breaking down Hutch. And it's a guy who we won't see uh, on the board very long, maybe not even after the first pick, definitely not after the second pick. Although uh, I laugh sometimes when people go, oh, it's a no-brainer because he's a Michigan kid. If you draft a Florida Gator kid for the Jacksonville Jaguars, people will go crazy. They, they don't want they don't want to hear that. You know, so I think it's people that aren't in Michigan that are just assuming that, oh, he's a fit because he's Michigan. I think he's a fit because of Dan Campbell and the way Dan Campbell thinks. And, and that kid looks like a Dan Campbell type guy. Yeah, 100%. I also think he's a fit because he's a, a damn good football player, right? I think, you know, Aiden's going to be one of the best players that comes out of this class. And that's up there with, I think the best players in this class are Derek Stingley, Ahmad Gardner, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Walker, Karloftis, and then the tackles, Evan Neal, Charles Cross, and Nicky Aquano. Like those are your, I want those guys in the top 10 because they play valuable positions and they're high-end athletes and, they're, and they have high-end production nearly across the board. So I, I do think that if he does fall past Jacksonville, say bulk, he does, you know, kind of have his way and grab Trayvon Walker, it's a sprint the carded situation for the Detroit Lions to keep him in state and get one of the best players in the draft. If he's not number one on your board, he's probably top five, right? I mean, he's in that tier, especially with this year's class when there isn't high-end quarterbacks. I would argue, too, that this wide receiver class is a bit overrated. I don't think there's a Jamar Chase or a Jalen Waddell in this class necessarily, especially with Jamison Williams' injury. So I do think that Detroit will be eager to take him at number two and they also don't have a tackle need right like Penesul and Taylor Decker there at left and right tackle they're not going to be considering I don't think 
Evan Neal, Ike Aquanu, or Charles Cross at that number two spot. It makes them, them kind of struggling considering who the best edge available is. I think that ultimately could be Aiden Hutchinson. Part of the intrigue for me, uh, Austin, with this draft class is the fact that there isn't a clear-cut head-and-shoulders prospect that's above everybody else that's obvious. So mm-hmm. when you're in the top five, top ten, you certainly don't want to draft a bust, right? Maybe you draft a, a guy who doesn't end up being a pro bowler but is just a really productive player for a decade. You can take that. You could take a double. It doesn't necessarily have to be a home run. For Aiden Hutchinson, do you see a scenario realistically – uh, you know, barring something crazy and, and unforeseen where he isn't, you know, a solid, like high floor type player. I know he obviously aspires to be a pro bowler and everything like that, but would you classify him as a safe pick? Because safe is good in this draft, considering yeah. I think there's going to be uh, NFL teams that have draft board, especially after the guys you mentioned, where their draft boards are all over the place. Yeah, I think it's always difficult to have that conversation, right? Because like you said, Tony, that there is a lot of projection with all these guys. Like you have to project every single one. No one is can't miss. No one is safe. But there are safer prospects, right? I think I was talking to Nate Tice, who does some great work on the draft for the athletic. And he, you know, he, you know, had been in scouting departments before and has talked a lot with scouts. So a lot of the conversation is, you know, boom, bust or starter, right? Like you're looking at, is this guy going to boom? What's his percentage chance of being a star, right? What's his percentage chance of being a starter? And then what's his percentage chance? of busting and with Aiden such a high percentage of his outcomes are starting like it, it's good he's six foot seven 260 and he's like an elite tiered athlete it's going to be and he has really good production in a power five conference it'd be really difficult to see him not starting in the NFL for a long time his boom potential probably not the same percentage that Miles Garrett was or Nick Bosa or Joey Bosa was or Khalil Mack or Clowney was but his starter percentage is among the highest in this class because he has a lot of this and I would say the same thing about Kayvon Thibodeau and George Karloftis. I think with Walker, too, he's still an insanely built human being, like a one-of-one player. And a lot of people see him as this boomer bust prospect. I don't think that's the case with Walker. You know how hard it is for him to bust at his size with 35-plus-inch arms and all that stuff? I think could he bust relative to expectations if he's drafted at number one overall? Sure. Like if you draft him at one and Aiden outperforms him or Thibodeau even outperforms him, people are going to view him as a bust, right? But it's going to be very difficult for Walker – to not at least play the position he played at Georgia really well. That's head up on inside the tackles and playing the run really well, being just like an excellent, excellent trench player, maybe not the skilled pass rusher you need to be a 15 sack guy, but still a a good enough player to where there isn't this low floor. Like I think Walker is safe. I think Thibodeau is safe. Like I don't think there's boom or bust in a lot of those guys up top because of the type of athletes they are and the production that we've seen. To piggyback on that, one of the things that James and I discussed in another episode was this. You would think that only one team passed up Michael Jordan. It's not true. (laughs) Two teams did. But the one team that actually passed him up first was the Houston Rockets when they took Akeem Olajuwon. And you know why nobody cares? Because Akeem was great and they also won championships. It wasn't Michael Jordan. It wasn't the greatest of all time. But no one ever mentions the fact that Houston passed him too. You know, and he ended up being the greatest player of all time. That being said, do you think there's a scenario, and and trust me, I cover a team where this has been a problem, where what is being forgotten is your plan for development and your player development, I don't care how good a guy is on draft day, if you're the type of team that never has a plan and never has the ability to get past building a foundation, that actually hinders guys. It hinders Fred Taylor from being in the Hall of Fame because you've never been able to get past, get out of your own way. Could you think that would hinder him or, or any of these other prospects that if they go to an organization that has just been atrocious at being able to develop young players? 
know, I think that's one of the more underrated conversations in the pre-draft evaluation process. I think we've seen a lot of media highlight reaches, steals, boom, bust, these type of guys, and have placed wholesale the blame on the player, right? Whereas, in my opinion, players don't bust, teams bust. You know, teams are ones that set expectations for Trayvon Walker if they draft him number one overall. Teams set expectations if they bill him as this guy that has to start all three downs right away in this specific defense that maybe he didn't play in college. Teams will bust when you draft a quarterback into one system and then you fire their head coach the next year and you put him into another system. Like development is so much more important when you get and when you get into the pre-draft process, right? Where we've gotten so much data on these guys, athleticism data, psychological testing all the tape in the world, it's a pretty efficient process in terms of identifying the top players in the draft, right? There is a consensus board among media. There's a consensus board among scouts. Like you have so much more information available to you. You can get on a Zoom call with any college coach in the country in five minutes. Like you have so much data available to you that the process becomes so efficient that I do think more of the focus now isn't necessarily on identifying who's the best and who's the worst. It's more playing the board, leveraging the media, not media, leveraging the consensus opinion within your war room, and then focusing all of your attention on the development, right? When you're the Bears and you make short-term decisions and trading up for Justin Fields and trading up for Tevin Jenkins, then Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy get fired and they don't have the resources to build an offense around Fields, he's going to struggle. Like, that's just what it is. And you look at compared to what the Judge Giants or what the Bills did with Josh Allen. They drafted Josh Allen, wasn't working out. Brian Dable completely remade the offense to fit to his skill set, and now he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Same with the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Same with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. When you build an offense around a player and you build your development around wholesale around a player, oftentimes that's going to lead to more success, whereas there are other teams that fail to develop players, fail to develop talents because of the infrastructure that they have in place, the lack of stability, right? When you think about Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's drafted so well, they're drafting these guys and these guys, they develop really well because they have a lot of consistency at head coach and a lot of consistency in that room to where you're, you're turning Bud Dupree that I think would have been a bust on another team into a, a solid starter. You know, I think that's where, um, you know, not enough conversations on that because the teams don't want to blame themselves. They're like, oh, no, he was just a bust. Never worked out. We shouldn't have picked him. It's like, no, you should have put him in a different situation. I think the teams that draft well, James, and I'll let you go, they draft football teams that draft like uh, baseball teams. It's like, we got a great farm system. We don't need this guy to come in here and be uh, magic the first day. It's like we're going to – the Spurs did it for years. They take those European guys and they st store them for two years. They always just seem to just have this plan in place. Go ahead, James. Oh, no. Austin, I was just uh, going to ask you what is the best way to, to find Hutch for our listeners and anything else you guys got going on over at Pro Football Focus ahead of the draft. Yeah, you can find Hutch wherever you get your podcast, right? It's called Hutch. You can look it up, and, and it's also on PFS YouTube channel. If you want to look at the video version, that's another you know excellent piece of work. I would definitely encourage you to do it. And then on PFF.com, a lot of draft coverage, right, as we march on towards the draft. I think Mike Redder just dropped his final top 250 board. Our final draft guide is out as well. Um, and we also have a promo code running draft50 for 50% off an elite subscription. So PFF.com, Hutch, where you get your podcast, and you can follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Austin Gale. Awesome. Austin, I appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you.